Genesis chapter 1, starting in verse 1, says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then Genesis chapter 2, it says like this, starting in verse 1. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested. Let me hear you say, rested. Go on, I know you're watching this from a phone, from a from a TV, from a computer, you're on your couch, you're like laying in your bed, you're outside working, whatever. But let me hear you say the word rested. Yeah, God rested. He rested on the seventh day. This is from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, which is to say he set it apart. It was totally unique, totally different from the other six days. Something important about this day that he rested on. And it says that he rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Hey, I wanna welcome you. My name is Travis and, and I get to serve as the pastor here at Covenant Church. And just right now, as we're getting ready to start, like I wanna welcome you to church, but I also wanna speak into your life right now. Cause I know for a lot of us, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of panic. There's a lot of worry, concern, not, not just over our health. <laughs> I mean, that is there. But for some of you, there's concern over your job over finances. Maybe your relationship with your husband or wife is like strained right now because you guys have just been 24 seven together and it's not been like that for a long time. Maybe your kids or maybe we're just all getting into these new rhythms, right? There's a lot of fear right now. I just wanna speak into that right now. God commands us to rest. To, demands us to rest and the peace comes out of that rest. We're gonna talk about that today. But I also want you to know that this morning, we're also gonna be preaching. I mean, this is church, right? You you don't see this, but if we were to swivel the camera around, there's, there's about four people in this room that have headsets on and there's a room down the hallway where they're doing worship and we're all connected. And even though we're not meeting in a church building, we're still having church, amen? And you can respond. I've got you right here on the live stream. I want you to interact with me. I want you to interact with this sermon, right? Amen. Put some fire emojis, like respond, talk back at this, because I want you to know we're going to have church because nothing that takes place in this world is going to stop the church of Jesus Christ from moving forward. Not a virus, not a pandemic, not a leader, nothing is going to kill the church of Jesus Christ. The gospel will go on. Amen. Amen. I know I'm getting a little bit loud here, but let's, let's, just, let's just back up. Let's pray. And let's get into this morning. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for how you're working and moving in this church. And not just our church, but churches all around our country. And Father, although I don't know where everyone's joining in today, I, I know that at our core, Lord, our need is, is the same. No matter what color we are, or where we're watching from, or what language we speak, God, what our job is, what gender we are, Lord, we all have the same need, and that is Jesus Christ. We share that together. So, Father, would you meet us here today? Would you speak to us here today? Will we learn from your word? We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen. Amen, 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 amen. Hey, I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. 
Okay, and, and, and by the way, if you're joining us here and you're like, oh, I don't really know the Bible that well, well, guess what? It's all good. We're making it easy today. You literally can go to the first page of your Bible in the first verse, and uh, it says this, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, here's what I would say. These 10 words, okay? And I don't even have to say, like the 10 words, just the first four words. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. This, this right here contains the best theology, maybe the most important theology in all of Scripture. Because in the beginning, God. In fact, let me hear you say, in the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning. In the beginning, God. God has always been, by the way. I know when we, when we read this passage, in the beginning, we think like at the start of things. And that's, that's true, kind of, right? It's the start of things that we know of. It's the start of like time. But you have to understand that God isn't bound by time. God created time. So God actually is outside of time, but he can function inside of time as well. It's ridiculous. God is eternal. And, and by the way, can I just be honest? This is something we don't really get. I mean, we just don't. We don't understand the sheer size of God. We also don't understand the fact that God has always been and God will always be. It's just too much for our minds. I, I don't know. You can respond to that if you want to. If you agree with that, can you just let me know? Because maybe I'm by myself. If you feel like God is just too big for our minds to comprehend fully, like let us know. I'll give you an example. And by the way, I'm not excited to give you this example. <laughs> it's very like self-deprecating, okay? But it is what it is. So when I was younger, much younger, okay, I used to have nightmares. Not a lot, but I used to have nightmares. And the nightmares were kind of the same. I, one of the nightmares I had was about like monkeys attacking me. True, true story. Ridiculous. The other one though, Oh, gosh, I wish I didn't have to tell you this. The other one, though, um, I would wake up in the middle of the night, and I would run out of my bedroom into the living room or to my parents' room, and I would be screaming about balls of yarn. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm serious. I used to have nightmares about balls of yarn. And you're like, whoa, are these, like, demonic balls of yarn? No, here, yes. I mean, I guess, because here's what happened. The balls of yarn started to, like, untangle and just roll. But as much as they would roll, they would never get smaller in size. It was just an eternal ball of yarn that kept going. And I remember having these nightmares and waking up and being like, oh, my gosh, the yarn, the yarn. And I would freak out. I mean, my mind, and maybe yours too, it's just not built, just not set up, just not really the way it functions. It's not, it's not made to think about eternity, like, at least not to comprehend eternity. In my mind, everything has a beginning, everything has an end. But the fact of the matter is God is before the beginning. God is the institutor of the beginning. And so we get this. It says, in the beginning, God. And so here's the implication. If you're taking notes this morning, write this down. We're a church that worships in spirit and in, and in truth. That's right. And even if you're home right now in your pajamas, you don't, like, you don't get off the hook. Write this down, okay? We open these things up in our Sea Life groups. And, and by the way, our Sea Life groups are still meeting. Um, we're meeting virtually all across Columbus. If you haven't joined in, you need to now more than ever. Uh, man, we believe in joining together. And Sunday is just the start. Today is just the start. Here's the first thing I want you to write down. Number one, the implication is this. Because God was in the beginning. Since God is the beginning of everything, 
okay? Then God should be the priority in all our beginnings. Let me say that one more time. Since God is in the beginning of everything, then God should be the priority in all of our, in all of our beginnings. Now, if we could just get this point, if we could just get this one point, it would change everything, wouldn't it? I mean, it would change everything. It would change our culture. It would change our families. It would change our churches. Most importantly, maybe it would change the rush and a hurry in our lives. If God, who is the beginning of everything, if he is the priority in all my beginnings, then right here and foremost, it should change my priorities completely. And first off, let's just talk about priorities real quick. Can we do that? Let's just talk about priorities because priorities are, are those things that are above everything else. They're the things that we place higher in value than other things. So another way to say it would be something that is of first importance in your life. That's what a priority is. And so my question would be this. What are, simply, what are your priorities in your life? What are, what are your priorities in life? If you're like most people, it's probably going to be something like work or bills or kids or maybe sports, social media. I don't really know. Um, but if I were to take an honest, if you were to be honest about your priorities in life, I wonder if it would look like that. That I wonder if it would look like this, like work, bills, kids, social media, example, example. Um, and, and here's the thing. When we're calculating a priority list, we also have to take in consideration, into consideration our desires. Now, this is where it gets heavy. Okay? Now, listen now. This, is, this goes kind of hard. So listen. You could say you want to do this. You could say you want to do that. You can say that this is important to you or that is important to you. But the truth is more grave than what you say, right? The truth is our priorities are the way that they are because it demonstrates what we value most. In other words, it demonstrates what we desire the most. We say we want one thing, but our priorities prove that we desire something else greater. You follow me? Does this make sense? Let me know if this makes sense to you. We say we desire, we say we want this. We say, okay, here we go. We say we want a relationship with Jesus, but actually in our list of priorities, he's not there. And so it shows what we value most. We say one thing, but we actually value something else. We say one thing, but we actually truly in our heart of hearts desire something else. Now, desire gets a bad rap. Don't, 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 don't do that. Desire is fine. Desire is not the problem. Desire is good. It's the engine of our lives. Desire is a thing that pushes you out of bed in the morning, compels you to succeed and to hustle. But here's my deal. When desire is no longer under your control, right? When desire gets out of control, when, when it begins driving you instead of you having control over it, then you are in trouble. I'll tell you why. Because when you truly break it down, Truly break it down to the mechanics of, of desire. You will find out the desire, listen now, desire is one of those things that can't ever truly be fulfilled. Desire is one of those things that can't ever truly be satisfied. In fact, I love how one famous theologian said it, um, Mick Jagger. He said, I can't get no satisfaction. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. Uh, or not. I can't tell if you're laughing. It's probably very quiet at your house right now. I'm sorry. It's a bad pastor joke. But the fact is, we can't get no satisfaction. 
This side of eternity, we only get a glimpse. We only get a glimmer. I mean, think about it. Have you ever actually asked the question, what would it take to satisfy me? What would it take? What would it actually take to satisfy your desires? In other words, what would need to happen in your life to truly feel satisfied? And I can tell you, do you know what the answer is? Everything. The, the answer is completely everything. Everything would have to happen in your life to be truly satisfied. Here's what I mean. You would have to experience every section of the world, walk every path, engage every person, hug every human, have every conversation, eat every food at every new restaurant, listen to every band, know every song, read every book, consider every theory. You would have to do everything in order to say, okay, I am satisfied. And by the way, just so you know, this is an impossibility. You can't do that. In fact, as we talked last week, we had this phrase that said, you can't do it all. We would. If we could, we would. We would see it all, live it all. And yet today, we, would, we still live vastly unsatisfied, namely because we are finite. We have all kinds of what? Limitations finances, uh, time, our bodies, whatever, a, a virus, a pandemic is a limitation. We are limited. We've never had this happen, at least not in our generation, where we've had such a great disruption to our lives. We have incredible limitations. So here's the deal. When an infinite amount of desire, because that's what desire is, it is infinite, infinite, when an infinite amount of desire collides with a finite being, the result is always going to be restlessness. Restlessness. Do we not live right now with chronically unsatisfied desires? I mean, I know I do. We live in a chronically unsatisfied culture. Chronically unsatisfied world, like an itch that you just, no matter how much you scratch it, you just can't get it right no matter how much we eat play do sing talk dance see own we always want more always want more never satisfied always restless always searching always wanting always watching always buying always owning always having to have and so the question isn't how do we increase our capacity to intake more question must be different. Here's the question. What do we do with all of this pent up unsatisfied desire? Maybe another way to say it would be, what do we do with all this relent, or I'm sorry, restlessness? What do we do with all this restlessness? Good question. I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Here's the idea and follow me, okay? Human desire is infinite, We've already stated that. It's infinite. Why is it infinite? I'll tell you. Listen, this is so cool. This is so awesome. Listen, human desire is infinite because we were created to live in eternity with God. Human desire is infinite because we were made to live with God forever. And so in this world, nothing else will satisfy. Do you feel me? Nothing else is going to satisfy so our only hope is to put desire back in its proper place on God and to put all our other desires in their proper place below God. 
The answer is not to detach from all reality or detach from all desire, maybe as a a Buddhist monk might instruct you to do, but rather to come to a place where we actually say, I no longer need that to satisfy me. My satisfaction is found in my creator. My satisfaction is found in my God, regardless of what I'm walking through, regardless of what she said, regardless of what he did, regardless of the people that have left me, regardless of my finances, regardless of my health. My soul is connected to my creator, and I find my satisfaction in him. I love how Dallas Willard said, puts it, he says this, desire is infinite, partly because we were made by God, made for God, made to need God, and made to run on God. We can be satisfied only by the one who is infinite, eternal, and is able to supply all our needs. Listen to this next line. He says, we are only at home in God. When we call away from God, the desire for the fine infinite remains, but it is displaced upon things that will certainly lead to destruction. Here's the point. If you're watching this now, listen, nothing in this life ultimately apart from God can satisfy our desires. Nothing. Nothing in this life apart from God can satisfy our desires, which, by the way, is a problem, (laughs) isn't it? It's a problem. This means that you can run your entire life chasing after that thing and still be unsatisfied. But but you've experienced this, haven't you? I mean, I have. You've chased that job so hard, you get it unsatisfied. Chase that money so hard, unsatisfied. Chase that car, chase that house, get that body. Believe me, I understand. Unsatisfied. It fills us for a moment. It fulfills us for a moment. And then we are unsatisfied, yet we live unsatisfied. Listen, understand this. We will all live a life of unsatisfaction until we find our home in Christ. We will all live unsatisfied lives until we find our home in Jesus. And listen, maybe you're watching this morning and you're like, man, what what is going on here? I'm just tuning in. I don't even know Jesus. I don't know what's going on in my life. Or maybe, maybe you're saying like, I don't need Jesus. Here's the truth. You can't get away from the moments when you're alone and you begin to ponder your existence. And you find yourself, although you have this and and this and and this and and this, and yet there's still a dull ache, a dull empty hole inside of you, which says there must be something more. I want you to know you will remain unsatisfied until you find your home in Jesus. And I say that, but, but you don't buy it. I mean, even for us as Christians, like so many of us, we don't believe it. Like we know it, but we don't know it. You know what I'm talking about? You know how you can know a thing, but not know a thing? We know that's true, but somehow we still don't believe it. We will all continue to to push, to earn, to eat, to visit, to go, 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 go. Driven by the ever-present gods of accumulation and accomplishment. A society that says, do this, buy this, get this, eat this, go here, own this, be this. Have you ever considered that advertising and marketing is simply an an attempt on society to monetize your restlessness? Yeah. We buy it, man. We buy it hook, line, and sinker. And so we push and push and push and push and push, 
seeking satisfaction and finding anxiety. We push and push and hustle and hustle and work and work, seeking fulfillment and finding stress. My question is this, is there a practice maybe within the life of Christ, the teachings of Jesus that, that he's given to us that can mitigate, mitigate against the chronic restlessness that we all feel? I, yeah, yeah, I, I think there actually is. And, and here's the deal, it's not new. In fact, it's ancient. It's found in the beginning. Look at this, Genesis chapter one. We read it before, let's read it again. It says, in the beginning, and I want you right where you are at home. Would you read this with me? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then in Genesis chapter 2, we're going to put the scripture up on the screen. Verse 1 says this, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And I want you to read this with me now. And he, your turn, read this. That's right. And he, come on, come on. And he what? And he rested. He rested on the seventh day from all his work that he did. Did you catch it? God rested. God rested. He set a day apart. He deemed that day holy, which is to say it is altogether different from every other day of the week. This is a big deal that, quite frankly, we are not doing a good job on. (laughs) Like, we're not. Like, don't play. We're not doing a good job on this. We are failing at this. I mean, God gives it a name. He calls it Sabbath. Don't get hung up on the word Sabbath, Hebrew word Shabbat, right? It simply means to stop, to rest, and to delight. Shabbat, Sabbath, that's what it means. It means to stop, to rest, and to delight. We have missed this. I'm going to be honest with you. I mean, have we not? Am I wrong? We've missed this. We've missed a proper observant, observance of Sabbath. Now, it's, it's interesting. I mean, God commands it. It's not the great suggestion. God commands that we do this. And he listed in a lot of other commands that we have no problem keeping. He says, uh, don't put any other gods before me, right? He says, honor your father and your mother. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't kill. And what? Remember the Sabbath and keep it. Holy, keep it separate. Can I just ask you real quick, why aren't we taking this seriously? Why haven't we taken this command seriously? Why is it that we would say, well, of course God would look disfavorably on murdering somebody. Of course God would really condemn somebody going and robbing a charity. Of course God would not be with, you know, not be uh, excited about you putting an idol over top of him. But, you know, God knows I have needs and I I have a budget I got to keep. So he gets the fact that I got to pick up that extra shift. Like what? (laughs) Like what? Why have we thought that that one's okay, but like nothing else? You wouldn't even dream like murderer. No, no. but, But breaking the Sabbath, keeping it holy, not even a big deal. We don't even think about it. It sounds even... Silly to reference it, does it not? And yet there it is. A practice instituted and commanded by God that he himself followed and Jesus Christ himself followed. A day set apart to stop. Stop working. Stop striving. Stop worrying. Stop. What's so interesting about this stopping point, this weekly reset, this Sabbath Sabbath? 
is that we were all actually designed for it. All of our souls long for Sabbath, don't they? We long for rest. We long to be filled by the presence of Jesus Christ. Our souls ache for it. Have you felt that? Have you ever felt the dull ache and you don't know what it is, but nothing fulfills? Like in any area, the money doesn't fulfill. The stuff doesn't fulfill. The relationship doesn't fulfill. It's because you were only created to be satisfied through Jesus Christ and home in him. And that is found through rest. But it's, it's deeper than that, right? Because Sabbath is not just a day of the week. It is, but it's more. It's also a way of living in the world. Sabbath is completely a day of, uh, but it's also a way of living in the world. And it's a spirit of restfulness that comes from abiding in the Father, God the Father's presence all week long. I mean, you could say it like this, a spirit of restfulness versus a spirit of restlessness is the difference between margin versus busyness, slowness versus hurry, quiet versus noise, deep relationships versus isolation, delight versus distraction, contentment versus discontentment, peace versus anxiety. Here's the last one. Working from love or working for love. Which list describes you best? Are you Sabbathing well? Maybe the better question, are you, are you Sabbathing at all? Like most of us know. No, this is tough to do, right? It's tough. We're busy. Life is happening. I don't have time to take a day out to focus on this, which is why the author of Hebrews wrote this. In chapter 4, look at this, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, it says, Let us therefore strive to enter this rest. Let me hear you say the word strive. Strive, that's right, to work. We work hard at it. We run towards it. It's something that we're intentional about so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. In other words, we need to work hard to Sabbath. We need to, maybe another way to say it would be this, we need to work hard to rest well. Now, how many of you know that's the truth? Like you need to work hard to rest well. When you go on vacation, one of the ways that you can rest well is by planning in advance for peace and quiet and rest. If you don't let your job know that you're going on vacation, when you go on vacation, you just leave, like and you didn't plan for that, you're not going to rest on vacation. You might be in the right place, but you haven't prepared for the right time. You see what I'm saying? Such is the same with Sabbath. You need to work diligently all week long so that you can get to that day and rest. Rest on that day. It's a, the Sabbath is a command to observe it every single week. Now, maybe you're like, oh, okay, good, good, good. You, you mean a day off. Okay, good. Because for a moment there, I was freaking out like, oh, I'm supposed to take an all, another day on top of my day off just to rest and relax. Uh, you're missing the point. <laughs> just because you're taking a day off doesn't mean you're Sabbathing. In fact, theologian uh, Eugene Peter, uh, Peterson, he called a day off of work a bastard Sabbath. It's the illegitimate Sabbath. It looks like it. It sounds like it. might even feel like it. But it is not it. In other words, it is not a true Sabbath. Sabbath is so much more than a day off. It is a day off, but it's more. It's, it's Sunday worship, yes, but it's so much more. In fact, in Mark chapter 2, Jesus talks about the Sabbath. 
And he says this. He says that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, there should be a, a, a design about a literal 24-hour period every single week in your life that is starkly different than any other day of the week. And listen, this is so important. And, and, and if you're not, like, listen, I'm not saying if you're not doing this, it's not that you don't love Jesus. We love Jesus deeply. It's just that we are hurried and rushed and incorrectly prioritized. This is not an option. This is a command from God. Can you imagine if all the commandments were options? Do not murder unless you really feel like it. <laughs> Do not steal unless you really, really like it. Uh, don't, you know, don't keep, uh, keep Sabbath unless you're really busy. No, it is a command from God. It is a practice that is ancient, that goes back to the very beginning of the earth itself and practiced by God. Think about it. The seventh day, God had finished creating everything there was to be created. And he set that day apart and rested, not because he was tired, but because that day was special and unique. Are you following me this morning? Is anybody there? Yes? Can I get an amen? Maybe? Yes? Amen? He set it apart. He blessed it. He made it unique for us. God rested. God rested. God rested. In fact, I want you to turn to the person sitting next to you. Maybe you're on your couch. Maybe at the breakfast table. Maybe you got a mouthful of waffles. I have no idea. Look at them right now and say, God rested. Go ahead right now. God rested. Yeah. God rested. Exactly. And Now, let me just pause here because maybe you're like yeah i'm not really into sabbath that much i'm an extrovert and, and i like to stay busy and yeah god rested yeah yeah i know i i get the sabbath thing but i work a really demanding job and it, it takes a lot from me i really enjoy god rested yeah yeah but i got a bunch of kids and it's just i'm in a season of life it's not really doable right now do i have to mention it again god rested he rested and in doing so god built a uh, into the, a rhythm into the DNA of creation, a tempo, a, a syncopated beat. God worked for six and rested for one. When we fight this work six, rest one dynamic that God instilled into us, we go against the very grain of the universe. And I'm just going to be honest, when you go against the grain, you get splinters. You get splinters. I mean, you get splintered emotionally and, and you get splintered spiritually. You get splintered and always like really quick. Listen to me now. Don't lose me. Don't we live in a splintered culture today? Don't we live in a culture that is completely splintered, splintered spiritually, splintered emotionally, splintered mentally, splintered relationally. Many of you right now in your marriage, it's splintered. Your job's splintered. Relationship with Christ, splintered. Maybe the answer to the splintering of the soul that we feel is resting in the fullness of God and his commands. Namely, we need the Sabbath. We need that rest. Now, I know we're busy, but Sabbath doesn't mean just to stop. It means to rest and to delight things of note. God didn't need rest because he was, he was like tired from creating. You realize that, right? He didn't need rest because he was tired from creating. He intentionally chose to rest because he was creating a rhythm and a place for us to find delight. I want you to ask yourself, in creating this Sabbath day, 
What would you do, right? What could you do for a whole day that would bring you such deep, resounding joy and spiritually recharge yourself and center with Christ while giving you such a sense of delight for that day, right? That should be the day that you look forward to the rest of the week. That one day, that Sabbath day should be the day you look forward to. And here's the deal. Here's the amazing part. God did that for us. God did that for us. He didn't have to, but he's like, no, listen, I'm a good God. I'm a loving God. I'm a good father. I'm going to take a whole day where you, I just get to spend time with you. I'm going to take a whole day where you get to recharge and replenish and refill and refuel and just delight in my goodness. Sabbath should be the day that we look forward to all week. You know, Friday is rolling around and it's been a tough week and it should just be like on your lips, like Sabbath is coming and that should give you such hope. My day of rest and joy and, and, and the presence of God is, is around the bend. I mean, like it should just give you so much joy. And fill in the lines. Like for you, I know some of you just, you, you got to write a checklist. I get that. All right. Here's a checklist. Sabbath. Sabbath must be, number one, intentional. Sabbath must be intentional. Number two, Sabbath must be set apart. Number three, Sabbath must be worshipful. And then Sabbath, Sabbath must be restful. And what goes in between those lines is for your choosing. Maybe like Sabbath for you is, is just sleeping in really late and then waking up and making a big breakfast with your family and sitting around the table and laughing and enjoying one another's company. Maybe Sabbath for you is, is going out into nature and hiking or kayaking or, or whatever it is that you love to do outside. Maybe Sabbath for you is, is baking with your family or playing board games or reading or singing or worshiping. Or maybe it's just a long, wonderful, just laid out dinner with some old friends. What is it to you that brings you delight, recharges your soul? and centers you on Christ. I don't really know, but I can tell you this, we need to disconnect. Part of what a Sabbath should be is disconnecting. Disconnecting from the post, disconnecting from the feeds, disconnecting from the gram, disconnecting from our phone, and primarily tuning in to the presence of God. You will only ever feel satisfied when you tune into the voice of God and find your home in Him. This is not a command to be taken lightly. And so as we close this morning, right, as I come to a close this morning, I want to challenge those of us, first and foremost, if you are a follower of Christ, you consider yourself a follower of Christ, I want to challenge you this morning just to bow your heads, close your eyes right now, wherever you are, unless you're driving, don't do that then. But if you're, if you're listening to the, from the safety of your home, bow your heads and close your eyes just where you are this morning. Listen, is this a practice? Is this a command that you've taken seriously? Or is this something, quite honestly, that has gone by the wayside? Is it a command that you've just said, I don't have time for that? You will be held to account, my friend. There is an expectation of Sabbath in your life. And so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I want to give you an opportunity right now, just where you sit, to repent. To come before God and give Him your priorities and give Him your schedule and say, God, i got to be honest, I'm sorry. Right now I'm turning away from that and I'm turning to you knowing that you are the only thing that can satisfy me. Right now, just where you sit, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, will you talk with God? Now, 
for those of you who might not know Jesus or maybe you're wondering what this is all about. Listen, I, I promise you, there's, a, there's an author, C.S. Lewis, and he, he's an awesome writer. He's been long gone now, but he said, every single person is born with a God-shaped hole. And I wonder, have you, have you realized that yet in your life? Have you? I mean, you thought that she was going to satisfy everything, but now you're finding out she's great, but there's something she can't do for you. You thought that job was going to be that thing, but you're finding out as good as that job is, it's not going to fulfill you completely. You've gotten that money. You've hustled. You've worked. You've gone. You've entrepreneured, but it's not fulfilled you. Listen to me, my friend. You will be, you will continue to be unsatisfied until you find your home in Christ. Continue to be unsatisfied until you find your home in Christ. And that means this, right? God loves you and you were designed and created for him and to dwell with him in eternity. Now, I know something I've heard a lot lately is people saying, well, if God loves us so much, why is all this junk happening? Like, why is this happening? Why are people dying? Why is there this virus? If God is so good, why doesn't he, why doesn't he do something about it? My answer is, he did. He did. He sent Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus Christ to die for us. Here, here's the understanding. Jesus Christ came into this world fully God, fully man. He went to the cross. He took my sins and he took them to the cross. See, the fact of the matter is our sins are what separate us from God. And so it doesn't matter how good you are, how much good you've done. Like, that doesn't get you to God. What gets you to God, what gets you in a relationship with God is the blood of Jesus Christ. You're like, why? Because, because we all have sin. That's the most offensive thing. You're a sinner. But like, I am too. Like, I am too. We all are. I'm not better than you. I just know Jesus. And because of Jesus dying for me, his blood covers my life. See, scripture says it like this. There must be a payment for the sin in our life. For the wages of sin are death. It's death that's demanded for my sin. Someone, something had to die, be sacrificed for me so that my sins could be paid for. And that's why I say that God did something because greater than stopping any plague, greater than stopping any virus, greater than saving any one person, God decided to send a way to save us all. Regardless of our situation, regardless of our circumstance, regardless of what's going on in the life and the uncertainty, God chose you. He chose us. He loves you. And he demonstrated that love by sending Jesus Christ before you were even born. He said, man, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, not good enough to get that. You don't even know what's been going on. I don't have to know what's been going on in your life. God loves you. It's proof through sending Jesus who died for you, rose again from the grave for you. He loves you. Maybe you say, well, I, okay, I got a lot to think about. I got to get some things. I got to get some things in a row. And then, no, 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 you don't. You don't need to get anything in a row. You can't get it in a row enough. You come to Jesus. And let him get your life straight. You come to Jesus. You let him settle out that addiction. You hear me? Come on. I don't care what it is. I don't care what you've looked at. I don't care what you've ingested. I don't care what you put in your body. I don't care where you've been or who you've been there with. Jesus Christ is what gets you straight. He is the one who fills you. You come to him and let him change your life. And so this morning, if you are willing to take your first steps into a relationship with Jesus, have your sins forgiven. Take those first few steps. I wonder, would you pray with me? 
These words don't, you know, they're not magic words, anything like that. So don't worry about it. It's your faith that God gives you anyway. If you want this relationship with Christ, these few, first few steps with him, would you pray with me this morning? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Just pray with me this morning. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I am a sinner in need of a savior. I believe in you. I believe that you died for me, Jesus. I believe that you rose again. God, wash my heart. I follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, listen. Listen to me this morning. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you've just taken your first few steps into this new relationship with Christ. Now, I'm gonna, don't go anywhere. I'm going to ask you to do something crazy, okay, something really bold. I'm going to count to three. And when I count to three, first off, our live stream, our news feed is going to go crazy to celebrate those of you who accepted Christ, okay? But I want you to do something. I'm not going to call you out by name. I'm not going to embarrass you, nothing like that. But I want you to let us know that you made a decision. So when I count to three, I want you to give me a fist bump emoji, a hand praise emoji, give me a, a fire emoji or, or praying hands, whatever. But when I count to three, if you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, any type of decision, I want you to let us know. Are you ready? One, two, come on, be bold. This is your moment right now. One, two, three, right now. Make a decision. The rest of us, we're going to celebrate you right now. We're so excited for you. We're proud of you. Welcome to God's family. We are for you. He is for you. Amen. Come on. Right now, be bold. Be strong. Don't be scared. Make your first step one of confidence and boldness right now. Amen. Praise God. I'm so thankful for you. So thankful for this church. So thankful for what God is doing right now in the middle of this obstacle. He has created an opportunity. Thanks for listening to this message from Covenant Church. For more information on our ministries or to hear more messages just like this, visit us at covenantchurch.us.